Listen, Tyson. When Zan died, I felt empty for ages. I did a lot of bad things. A lot. You know, I wasn't proud of that. And not just the booze. I thought what we had was special. It was, wasn't it? I know it was, and I'll tell you why. Please, Lex. No. Now you listen to this. You listen because you have to know who else is hurting too. I know it was special because I didn't feel that emptiness anymore. I found home. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 42 of Conversational League Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Colin. How's it going? With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 42, the screenplay was done by Nick Doughty. It was directed by John Callan, and the episode synopsis were read out by Colin. Ellie hears rumors of unrest in the city, leading Bray and Danny to clash over whether Ebony is the cause. Trudy's meddling leads both Ryan and Celine to confront Bray, while Tysan and Lex have a decision to make about the future of their relationship. Okay, so panel, we open with Trudy and Patsy surveying the city from the roof of the mall with Trudy promising that it will all be theirs while a scared city kid, which is definitely not Andy, flees from an unseen enemy in the streets below. So yeah, what did you make of this opening scene? I like the juxtaposition. Yeah, it's so obvious. You know, like, we get to see what's actually coming and the way Trudy is painting it as something positive. So I, I like that imagery. Like, here's Patsy, who's so innocent, and she's believing someone that she trusts who tells her this thing is coming and it's going to be great, but we actually see what that thing actually is. And it's based on fear and cruelty and injustice. And uh, I, so I really like that imagery there. And it's nice to see them, you know, up on that roof where we originally see Bray staring out of the city. And yet we see these two. And I don't know. I like the way Trudy told her this, like she's so convincing and so convinced herself that this, what's going to happen, is a good thing. You know, when I uh, rewatched this episode, I convinced myself that this Patsy and Trudy dynamic is probably one of the most underrated, uh, I guess, mentorships <laughs> in the entire series. Because they really do feed off of each other really well. Yes, he's a great chosen father one. Exactly. Nothing but Anakin and Palpatine vibes going on here. <laughs> The angle is also very interesting that they chose to film it where we're looking up at Trudy and Patsy. Like we're not at eye level with them on the roof. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like we are the peons who are going to be crushed by this thing that's coming. We are on eye level with not Andy and uh, experiencing his actual fear. We're, we get to be the audience. We get to be the surrogate of um, actually experiencing what is coming. And we're looking up at the people who are going to benefit from what's coming. We won't. We're down here. We're looking up at them. They're the ones who are going to benefit from this change. And the rest of us are going to be like Andy, not Andy, running, trying to find some safe refuge in fear, you know. Was that really Andy? It's the actor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it fits in so nicely with things we hear Trudy say later about, you know, people being caught out. Just, yeah, I like the way they did this. Did you like that we didn't see the enemy that he was running from? I think it's a good thing we didn't see them yet, because that makes it ever so more threatening. And it just plays a tiny bit into the whole, okay, people think it might be Ebony behind this, but we know better, yet we can't see them. So there's that air of mystery that makes it even more scary. It also speaks to the chosen, um, the way they prey on our fears. And all of our fears are individual. They depend on who we are and what we've experienced. Everybody's afraid of something different. And so by not seeing what he is running from, what he is afraid of, that again is relatable. And that's what we see Jaffa do in the future. Finding out what you're afraid of and preying on it, poking at it, prodding on the thing that you are specifically afraid of and using that to control you and dominate you. 
Yeah, I agree with that. This also tells us a lot about, I guess, just how much the Chosen really do model after Zoot, because obviously the best way to conquer the city, of which Zoot was trying to do, was through fear, through paranoia, and that's really <laughs> the Chosen go for it in every single tactic that they that they try to accomplish when comping, uh, capturing the city and to uh, enslave people. Because yeah, there's nothing more scary than the unknown. Exactly. Plus, it helps with spreading chaos because it makes people trust each other even less. People are less likely to band together if they don't know who the enemy is, so they don't know who to trust. I also wonder if if the people who like went missing because of the Chosen, if they're a part of any tribes, or they're just random pedestrians off the street. Because I feel like, and obviously, obviously, we we didn't hear anything about it, but... If they are like tribe members of whatever tribe, I feel like there should have we would have heard more talks, maybe or at least hopefully. Well, I mean, there was the tribe leader from the previous episode mm-hmm. who attended Ebony's gathering. Yeah, but um, they probably assumed he was drunk somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> right? Drunk right. or drunk or um, well, you know, he said he went to see Ebony and he never came home. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> this is also just like another harsh reality in a lot of other communities out there that do have people that end up missing and just people just don't talk about it yeah to be fair who are they gonna go to who will who can they trust with information like this when they don't know which tribe is behind it we need to consult the bill of rights (laughs) yeah remember there's no city-wide security yet Mm. there's like no nothing in place so and and that's the whole thing they have no one they know they can trust so you know, the bigger kids and the tribe leaders, they're not going to go out there with a, look, my people went missing um, to one of the other tri- uh, tribe leaders because they don't know if it's not the other person. Mm, very true. Very true. And well, they definitely don't really trust the mole rats at the moment. So, you know. Yeah, understandable. But it seems like the city is more uh, more separated than ever now. Kind of. I mean, we did saw them. So saw all those leaders come together at Ebony's. Yeah. So when they came to Ebony, I'm pretty sure Ebony didn't inform Danny. No, absolutely not. <laughs> to show up to the meeting. <laughs> yeah, very still separated. People in their own little cliques and all that stuff, which is understandable. I understand. And it's pretty much done today in, in today's world leaders. But you just hate to see the city <laughs> suffer because of this. I mean, we'll come to Danny in a minute because uh, yeah, kind of her outrage at Ebony. <laughs> doesn't quite fit but yeah we'll come back in a little bit but before we do um we need to talk about trudy so (laughs) (laughs) trudy tells assembled Murats that selena is going to marry ryan and selena has to tearfully admit to everyone that she turned him down and when patsy asks if selena's going to get sick again trudy tells her that the two of them will look after her if she does and we really need to talk about this because there's an implication here that Trudy is deliberately trying to trigger Celine's bulimia in order to make her more vulnerable and win her over to the cause. I mean, like, what did you make of that whole scene? That seems absolutely what's happening here. It's very diabolical. Deviant. Mm-hmm. And a smile on her face. She just can't help to just smirk just that tiny little bit when she says that. But yeah, I... as mean as the plan is, I do think it makes sense for her to do it. To be fair... It is something that's technically a good tactic, no matter the fact that it's totally evil. Mm-hmm. Celine is one of your weakest links in this. If you need your tribe members to cross over to the dark side, and you know that this person, if you trigger her bulimia, she'll do anything for food, because Trudy knows a lot of the things that happened back then. Mm-hmm. She knows that's an easy win, and if she wins Celine, she'll win Ryan. If she wins Celine and Ryan, she can hopefully win Chloe, and others might follow. So that's a good place to start. And, well, let alone all the discords he's sowing by, you know, mentioning this publicly. Yeah, Trudy is, uh... <laughs> she's almost like the definition of an internet troll on here. <laughs> Just loves to instigate, loves to steer the pot. Um, although it is very entertaining to watch, but <laughs> it almost kind of saddens me. I'm like, ah, oh, these people, like, legit took you in when you needed it the most, and then now she's just completely, like, nothing else matters. Yeah, but on the other end, they completely screwed her over and mattered most, so. 
Bray screwed her over. <laughs> Not everyone else. Mm-hmm. Again, I can understand it. It's it's nearly justifiable what Trudy is doing. I get it, but I don't like it. <laughs> I like to think when Trudy saw Celine walk in that room, what what Trudy was thinking in that moment. Like she knew either way, regardless of what Celine had decided to do, she was putting her on the spot. Like even if Trudy wasn't even trying to be diabolical, she was breaking what you'd call a social norm. You don't announce someone's engagement. You know, you don't do that to people unless they've given you permission. Like that's already a social faux pas. Okay. Uh, that's like announcing you're getting engaged at someone else's wedding or you, you know what I mean? Like you don't steal <laughs> someone's thunder. You don't do that to them. And so even if she wasn't just stirring the pot, it would be a rude thing for her to do because she has the, you know, if Celine really, you know, let's say her and Ryan were absolutely in love, that would be her announcement to make. And so I just think it's interesting that uh, Trudy knows no matter what, how she approaches this, she's putting Celine in an uncomfortable spot. And that's the whole point to make Celine feel uncomfortable, to create this discord. And um, like, you know, on one hand, you know, if Trudy believes that Celine decided to marry Ryan because she can't have Bray, um, she knows Celine's not happy about it. So even if she thinks in this moment, Celine said yes to uh, Ryan, she knows that Celine is going to feel uncomfortable about the decision she's made. So announcing it puts Celine on the spot where everyone's cheering. It means that Celine can't back out. She means she can't have any second thoughts because Trudy just announced it to everyone and everyone's on board. Mm -hmm. So that puts pressure on Mm -hmm. Celine. You know, so even if Celine had been like, yes, I decided in this moment I'm going to marry Ryan. Now the whole tribe is like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And so she doesn't even have the opportunity to have a second thought or end the engagement if she wanted to. And then you have the sense that if Trudy knows for a fact that there's no way Celine decided to accept Ryan's hand because of her feelings for Bray, this is just going to make her feel terrible because everyone's going to respond positively because everybody looks at Ryan's in Celine and has positive thoughts about their relationship. And Celine will have to admit either that she's not going to marry Ryan or she'll feel pressured into changing her mind. It's just, it's really messed up that Trudy knew this was the perfect grenade to start Celine's day. <laughs> uh, you have me wondering on something now, though. I mean, Trudy told Celine to go talk to Bray before. And, you know, we have Bray here and Celine here. And I kind of wonder if there's not that tiny bit in Trudy that just wants to rub it in his face as well. You know, depending on what he said, she knows he's going to respond weirdly to this. Because either he told her, yes, I want you to, and that's going to make things awkward. Or, you know... He went with a, oh, yeah, please do marry Ryan. And it's going to make everything weird. You know, her just announcing it like that. So I don't know. It's just a tiny bit of me feels like the fact that Brace there gives it this extra little bonus for stirring. What I wonder. Now, we know Trudy is still in love with Bray. She is. She's she's going down with that ship. OK. And uh, we know that. It's revealed to us later in season three that she still resents Celine's quote unquote interference mm-hmm. with Trudy and Bray in season one. And uh, she even implies that some of this was revenge for Celine's interference, you know, and uh, it's like you wrecked my dreams. And so I'm just getting revenge on you for that. But I can't help but wonder we know Trudy's in love with Bray. What would she have done if Bray actually did reciprocate Celine's feelings? She's pushing Celine towards Bray because she knows it'll torpedo Celine and Ryan's relationship. But what would she have done if Bray had actually been like, hmm, you know, Celine's got me thinking about that time. And I did like her, you know, before she got all clingy and weird. (laughs) Like, what would she have done if Bray had been like, wow, I thought about it and I don't love Danny. I have this history with Celine. She doesn't scream at me every time she doesn't get her way. You know, (laughs) I think I can handle Celine's baggage. Like, what did that ever cross Trudy's mind? <laughs> you know, I just, I just wonder about that. I, I kind of doubt that she thinks Bray would have ever responded positively to Celine at this point in time. But if not, you know, people vanish. Accidents happen. Uh, I mean, I was going to say, I think, <laughs> I think she, I think she thought that he might have responded positively to it, but that it would be short lived. As <laughs> most mm-hmm. 
Um, and that also would have the added bonus of disrupting him and Danny, which would disrupt the whole trial. So mm-hmm. You got that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a nice bonus. And, you know, it would have, even if Bray would have said, yeah, okay, Celine, that's, yeah, okay, let's do that. The, yeah, it, it wouldn't have lasted. And otherwise, he would have made sure it wouldn't have lasted. And Celine is easier to manipulate than Danny. So, mm-hmm. Or maybe she's not thinking that far ahead. And I think it, if that had happened, I think it might have caught her off guard. Mm-hmm. Because her, Probably. her focus is to cause discord. And right now, Bray's not on the table. He's in love with Danny. You know what I mean? And uh, Trudy had deliberately pushed Bray away so he wouldn't focus on her because she had a job to do. So it's possible she's not thinking of the fact that if she pushed Celine towards Bray and he was receptive to that, that, oh my gosh, I just lost him to another woman. Like, I think it would have caught her off guard. I think that part of her feelings would have, but, you know, part of her doing this is to annoy Danny, which I get. (laughs) I love that scene, by the way, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Winding Danny up is just, you know, favorite pastime. And I get that. He's so annoying. I would. Oh, sorry, that was such a brilliant scene on the stairs. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Danny, I didn't mean you know. You know what you meant. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I love, I love this. <laughs> yeah, you know, me and Bray, we have history. We we're close ones. Oh no, nothing like that. Yeah, really, Trudy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she is brilliant when she does that. Mm-hmm. Um, one other last bit I wanted to ask about that scene, like because I saw some comments on YouTube. What did you make of Celine's crying when she announced that she said no? Really attention seeking. Feel bad because um, she does feel guilty for hurting Ryan in this way, even if it's just from the narcissistic per- uh, point of view. That it makes her feel bad, you know, and that's what she's concerned about. But. I do feel bad because it's like she didn't want to hurt Ryan, but she doesn't want to marry him. Fair enough. She shouldn't. And it's not a crime to not be in love with this guy. That's fine. End it already. We're sick of seeing this. And now she has to feel publicly shamed for it. Everybody was so happy to hear about their engagement. They cheered her. It, you know, they saw it as a good thing. And she has to relive the fact that and tell everyone. And as she says, I feel ashamed for letting him down. And we already know how Celine feels, her self-esteem, all that stuff. She's a fragile narcissist. And uh, so I actually, that, that's a really horrible situation. That's why you say you don't propose publicly to someone because you're manipulating them into behaving a certain way because there are people watching mm-hmm. and they don't want to disappoint you mm-hmm. in front of everyone. And that's what Trudy just forced Celine to do, to tell everybody no you know, it's not what you think. And she already feels terrible about it. And now she has to say it out loud. She has to say the shame to everyone. She has to let them know Ryan just got his heart broken and I'm the one who did it. And uh, so even if Celine was the best girlfriend on the planet, I'd still, I would, it sucks. It, it's, it, it doesn't matter that she's a crappy girlfriend. <laughs> it's, a horrible position to be in it's horrible to feel that way like you owe someone a relationship because they love you so much and a lot of us will stay with someone because of that because it's like well they love me so much and i feel like a jerk because i don't love them back and so i feel like i don't have a right to end it and i don't have a right to go do the thing i want to do and be with somebody else and seduce them against their will whatever um like Again, that was part of Trudy's plan, you know, and I felt those tears were genuine. She does feel like crap having to say this to everyone and relive the fact that she did this. I don't think she's wrong for having done it, but she does. She feels she owes Ryan something and she feels like garbage because she can't give it to him. See, I always wondered about that. Is it just the fact that she has to admit that she made that she said no to him? And does he feel bad about that because he's sad about it or because it makes her look like a bad person for saying no to him? It's probably both. Again, I don't think she's a bad person for saying no, but there are a lot of people who would because people have this idea. Mm -hmm. He loves you so much, you know, and it's like, so what? She doesn't owe him a marriage. (laughs) It's like, yeah, she doesn't love him, you know, but there are people who look at it and think, oh, wow, I can't believe you turned Ryan down. What's wrong with you? You must be a terrible person for not loving him when he loves you so much and would do anything for you. So I think it's a bit of both. She feels bad because Ryan is heartbroken 
and she feels bad because she feels like society would judge her as a bad person. That's that's the way it felt to me, at least. That she was, in that moment, more upset about the fact that she had to tell the others that she said no. But look, I heard him. Yes, I did that. It's, yeah, it, it kind of makes me wonder if she's more upset about knowing what their judgment might be, or what she assumes it to be, than Ryan's hurt feelings. Yeah, I'm with you, Sabine, on this. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't think those tears were at all for having to turn Ryan down. It was purely because of the perception of the other tribe members to her for what she'd. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. It could be both. Could be, but. Mm. It added to it. Sure, she was feeling very emotional over the Ryan thing, and then the embarrassment sent her over the edge. The embarrassment and having to say, in her own words, because it kind of may, it kind of looks like she's, she thinks he's a bad person for turning him down, even though, you know, she should have every right to, to make her own choices in that. Mm-hmm. But she has to admit that, and not just in front of everyone, but in front of Bray. You know, that, that adds extra fuel to the fire for her, that she has to admit it in front of the guy she really wants. Either way, it was diabolical. Trudy, well done. You deserve your evil hat today. You've been working overtime. <laughs> yeah, this episode, she is brilliant. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love evil Trudy. Like, someone give that girl a bonus. I don't think we should put our prime suspect in charge of the investigation, do you? What? Well, it's obvious. It's got Ebony's name written all over it. She wants to stir things up between the tribes so she can declare martial law and take charge. That's a bit much, Danny. Why? You were the one that didn't trust her. I don't, but there's not enough evidence to suggest she's behind this. I bet there is. We just have to find it. Maybe, but going off the deep end about her isn't going to help. Whose side are you on? It's not about sides, Danny. Not until we find out more. Oh, right. And in the meantime, we just let her get on with it? Look, I'll tell you what, Bray. Why don't you just hand her the whole city on a plate? So Ellie discovers that city kids are being taken away in vehicles by so-called cannibals. And a concerned Dow tries to stop her from investigating further, saying that Ebony should take over. Danny, however, kind of flies off the handle, believing that this is all part of Ebony's strategy to instill fear before seizing control through power through martial law, which Bray thinks is too much of a leap without evidence. And the two do end up in a really big argument about it. I mean, and I mean, let's focus on that because that's I don't even really want to talk about that. I, do you think Danny is right in her judgment of Ebony? Yes. Consider, considering what information she knows, like she's fair. She's making assumptions based on what she would have done in Ebony's position. I don't think that's it. She is making very fair assumptions based on her experience with living with Ebony. Thank you. (laughs) We have talked about why the heck any of these kids don't suspect Ebony more, considering what they've seen her do, okay? And we've dogged them for that. The fact that Danny is like, dude, this sounds like it's right up her alley, is a perfectly fair assumption for her to make. This girl tried to kill one of their tribe members and frame Danny for it. Like, why wouldn't Danny assume that this is what Ebony's plan has been all along? To break off from us, build a power base, and terrorize the city for control. It's not like this isn't something that Ebony has played at before. Now, the way Danny expresses it, I have a problem with that, and I will get into that, but in this moment, that is the most fair assumption, and it makes perfect sense for Danny to make it. Okay, true, yeah. (laughs) Fine. I'm surprised they just didn't have her assassinated earlier. (laughs) Or something. What? Ebony or Danny? Uh, well, both, but I'm talking about Ebony at this point, because... I mean, sure, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. We know Ebony's not behind these uh, abductions, but why wouldn't you believe that out of, after everything that she has done? She has kidnapped people. She has attempted to kill people. Uh, yeah, she should be locked up. That is all true. <laughs> <laughs> she should be locked up with that mask over her, like Hannibal Lecter. You just cannot let her out of your sight. She should be your first suspect. In the same way we argued... She should have been the first suspect in Tyson's attempted mm-hmm. murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, if pretty boy Bray says it's not her, it must not be her, right? That's true. But Bray also has a good point to make, too. Because 
Now, again, Danny's assumptions are fair, but the way she wants to go about this, once again, flies in the face of law and order. This is, you know what I mean? Like, Danny, mm-hmm. we need actual evidence. We can't just go around accusing her, saying that she's doing this stuff because we personally don't trust her. He's not wrong, but I can understand why it's frustrating for Danny to be like, Bray, how blind are you? How good was it when you were together for Pete's sake (laughs) that you can't see this girl for who she is and what she does? You know, and of course you add on her jealousy of Ebony, her insecurity Mm -hmm. of what Ebony and Bray had. That's all fueling it. But I'm also understanding Bray's point of view. Danny, you cannot just charge in there, make these accusations about people because you, when you don't have any evidence, we do not have any proof that Ebony is behind this. It would be wrong to spread that around and cause more chaos. Mm -hmm. And it's not diplomatic, you know, like he, he, you know, he's like, we at least need to discuss it. And if we really do suspect her, we need to talk to her about it. But we can't just say that's the truth. Ebony's the one going around in black vans kidnapping people. We don't have any evidence that she's doing that. We don't even know if Ebony has access to like petrol or vehicles. We haven't gathered any of that information. We have to go about this smartly if we're going to be a democracy, blah, 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 all that stuff. So he's not wrong either, you know, and, but again, Bray is also fueled by his sense of, I'm not mad at Ebony anymore. And I remember I still kind of like her, you know what I mean? Like we have history and I'm right back in that camp of not wanting to think the worst of her until I actually see it with my own eyes and in that clash of these two. So it's like, they're not wrong for feeling the way they feel. I don't think they're expressing it very well. I love that you said that. But if I was if, if I was in the Mallrats, I would honestly say I would agree with Danny and I would honestly say, who cares if we don't have evidence? When has that ever stopped us Mallrats from doing what we want? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the whole bit of rights. And <laughs> you know, right now, I'm just thinking if Amber would have said that. Yeah, but I'm sure Ebony did it is behind his whole. Everyone would have been like, yeah, yeah, she is. She has to be. <laughs> but Aunt, this this is where we get into the differences. Mm-hmm. This is where Danny's, this is her downfall. And it's always her downfall. Danny, I want to defend you. Why do you make it so hard? <laughs> anyway, um, once again, okay, Danny's assumptions are fair. But what does Danny do when she doesn't have Bray immediately agreeing with her? <laughs> she starts screaming and escalating this conflict. It didn't even have to be a conflict. This is supposed to be a discussion. You know what I mean? I, I get it, Danny. You've already suspected that Ebony's up to something. But screaming at Bray because he doesn't immediately agree with you and wants to keep it a rational discussion isn't going to convince him to go along with whatever. You haven't even said what you want to go do. You're just screaming at him because he doesn't agree with you immediately that shuts people down mm-hmm. it puts them on the defensive you're turning it into an argument when it never needed to be one but we already know that's danny's go-to and i just noticed that in this episode every time they try to talk about this bray is trying to be rational and like let's discuss this difference of opinion please you know like two people who are supposed to freaking love each other but whatever mm-hmm. um, he's trying to be a responsible leader And Danny just starts getting louder and louder in the argument. Like, if I can just shout him down, he'll shut up and do what I want. And it made me so angry. Because I'm like, Danny, you have a good point. Would you stop communicating like a two-year-old, please? Like, what is wrong with you? I wouldn't want to listen to you either if this is how you were coming at me with your point. It puts your hackles up. It's going to put Bray on the defensive. Like, no, I'm not. You're screaming at me. Now I'm mad. So I'm not even listening to what you say anymore. I just want to kind of wring her neck. Like, Mm -hmm. I completely understand how you feel today. And you have a right and a reason to feel the way you do today. Why are you screaming? As Danny's attorney, I would like to approach the stand. (laughs) Please do. Good luck. Thank you. My client here argues like a two-year-old because that's the only way to communicate with other two-year-olds. <laughs> there's, there's no way, there's no reason to why they should not be going to Ebony's Palace right now. This is literally a scene from Star Wars Episode Three. We go to Palpatine's tower with no evidence, and we kill him, or, or arrest him. They try to arrest him, not kill. Arrest him. 
it's an interesting argument to make, but I don't feel like Bray's being a two-year-old in this discussion. But I will give you, I'll give you a point, Carlin. Where I think your argument actually makes sense is that since when have the mall rats actually cared about fairness, law, and order? You know what I mean? Like, as Sabine has said, they just do what they want anyway. So why now do you feel it's so important that you gather the proper evidence? You know, it, it's a little, it's a little messy. <laughs> it's a little weird. But Bray wants to gather evidence when things don't go the way he thinks they should go. Interesting. I'm just, I just think that's interesting. Um, how many, you know, because we had another situation with Ebony where they all suspected she tried to kill Tysan. But they were like, we got to gather evidence on another crime. <laughs> right. And there was like no evidence against Danny during that, which is, yeah. But I don't think your argument is perfect because Danny's the only one acting like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum. The others may be stupid, but they're not throwing tantrums. They're not throwing their food. Um, um, Danny's the only one doing it. Your Honor, Dal <laughs> threw a temper tantrum just now. I don't think that counts as a temper tantrum. <laughs> have you had children? <laughs> wait, wait. You didn't have a tantrum. Yeah. When yeah. Ellie said we should do this, he literally blurted out the same as my client. No, I need to say. He was no. scared for her life and just said no. <laughs> no All he said was, Danny. <laughs> Yo, Ellie. He barely raised his voice. Now, granted, for Dow, that is that's an outburst for Dow, but this does not count as a tantrum. Yeah, come on. No, and, and and come on, Danny's tantrums right now. She gets even more uptight about all kinds of stuff, even more than Trudy did in season one. Danny's tantrum here would actually be more impactful if they didn't have her throwing them over everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, every. And so that's another reason that Bray may not be listening to her. Danny acts irrationally a lot when she's mad. Like whenever she gets upset about something, this is how she reacts. Eventually, you start to tune that out. Like you know, if you have a yep. child who's very fussy, mm-hmm. you accept that they're fussy, but it also means you don't come running every time they're like, ah. You're like, oh my goodness, you'll survive. You know what I mean? Like you just learn to filter out the noise because you know that's how your child reacts. To basically everything, you know, and it, it messes up things for Danny's character once again, because she's got a good point. She's got a good reason to be very frustrated and angry and to be throwing a tantrum right now because Bray's not listening to her. But because she does it over everything, no wonder Bray's like, OK, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, what did I do wrong now? You're screaming at me. You're always screaming at me the minute I don't agree with you. So he's less inclined to listen to the noise. So it doesn't, it's just like, Danny, you shot yourself in the foot. If you didn't treat everything like it was DEFCON 10, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, she's done this over a painting. Over a painting. Why should you take her seriously when this is what she does over everything that upsets her? And it's just like, it damages her cause because, again, she's actually right. We should suspect Ebony. Even though we personally know that Ebony isn't behind it, Danny's not wrong for thinking she is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is where I really wish we knew what was in those Bill of Rights. Because obviously, depending on what territory you live in, what sector, the rights could be different for you on how you can defend yourself against those certain things. You mean in Sector 9, they can eat you? Exactly. Just like here in America, each state has different gun laws and what you can and cannot do. So I would imagine that Danny's Bill of Rights has different laws. Oh my gosh, that is... No, that's giving her way too much credit. <laughs> you you cannot argue that she didn't write that. Yeah, but there's no proof by the Mallrats' behavior that they gave any of these tribes rights to run their sectors the way they wanted to. Remember, they never even gave these tribe leaders a voice in what they wanted in the Bill of Rights. Exactly. So I am not giving that to Danny. I do not believe for Anything that she was like, you know what? We should let them decide how they want to run their sectors. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this control freak? No, she did not. Right. <laughs> well, not now. <laughs> no, she never did. Now, if there had been a conversation, like we've seen conversations where tribe leaders tried to explain, this is how we do things. 
And we saw the way Bray and Danny shot them down. Mm-hmm. They made it clear. No, you mm. will not be able to decide in your sector or your tribe how you do things. You will do things the way we want. There's no way she put something like that in the Bill of Rights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're instantly making me remember something that is being said later. But in a future episode, we have uh, a comment about the Chosen Widow. We don't have to decide about right and wrong anymore because Sue decides for us. But right now, it's like we don't have to think about right or wrong because Danny decides for us. Yeah, I don't think the other um, sea tribes wanted to lose their voice. It's the Morats that kind of forced everything by lording the answer over themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things would have gone very differently if there'd been no virus, mm-hmm. you know, if the yeah. Mallrats weren't the ones who found the antidote or whatever. And the Mallrats admitted that themselves, we have the leverage. Let's use it to force them to do what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, under the excuse, with a, we have a chance to make things better for everyone. You know, everyone was mainly themselves. Has it not benefit everyone, though? I mean, it sounds like some people have. There are people who don't have a problem with the mall rats. You know, they like, look, they, they saved my life for free. What they're asking for ain't a big deal. It's not affecting my life. But there's also plenty of tribes who were not happy with the orders given by the mall rats. That's right. That lady you know. who said, we're a warrior tribe and you're going to take away our weapons. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And it's not like the mall rats have policed the city to actually make sure people didn't need their weapons, you know, um, and we've seen kids living on the street with nothing. Who was taking care of them? Not the mall rats, you know, so it's like there are plenty of people who have not benefited by the mall rats. It's just like there's no point in overthrowing them. We've had worse people running things, but they haven't made things better for everyone. I'm not saying that's their job to do it, but there's plenty of people who are discontent mm-hmm. in this city under their rule. And they can't talk to the mall rats and they can't do anything about it, but hope someone else takes over. <laughs> you know what? I'm so happy you said that because I 100% agree with that. And I think that's why the city is forever in shambles. There is always someone taking over the city, giving them something better than what they had. And they object it because it's not their, uh, I guess, up to their standards. And isn't that just human nature? Yep. <laughs> but again, most of the problems with all the takeovers is that the ones taking over do not allow the city kids to have any say in how life will go forward. So most of these kids are just bristling against having no voice. Benevolent or not, they're dictators, and people don't like dictators. You wreck my life and you expect me just to take it? Who do you think you are? I don't have time for this. Ryan, look, I told you, I don't care what you think, but I've done nothing to hurt you and I'm not gonna fight you! After Trudy implies heavily to Ryan that Bray told Sonny not to marry him, Ryan seeks advice from Lex, of all people, who tells him that he should have it out of Bray, before pulling Bray out of his meeting and physically attacking him. Lex then arrives to break things up, telling Ryan he only meant that he should talk to Bray, not fight him. Um, so yeah, what did you make of that little spat there? Okay, where to start? Would someone else like to go first? (laughs) (laughs) And for once in my lifetime, or well, in his lifetime, I actually feel bad for Lex for instantly getting the blame from Bray. Yeah, I get why, but for once Lex told Ryan to solve something with words, not with his fists, and instantly he gets blamed for it. It's Ryan has no mind of his own. Well, he did say have it out. <laughs> yeah, fine, but... And R- Ryan has seen how Lex has it out with people, so... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, but... it's, true. it's true, but I think Lex had a reason to, to not think that's what Ryan would do. Sure, it's what Lex would do, you know, but I, I think from Lex's point of view, he didn't assume that that's how Ryan would solve the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, he figured yeah. he might go in there and yell at Bray, scream at him, you know, have an argument with him. And as far as Lex was concerned, that's fair. If you think he wrecked your future with Celine, go yell at the guy, have it out with him. Yeah. I think it's fair that Lex just wouldn't assume that Ryan would get physically violent with Bray. I don't think he, you know, because he hasn't been paying attention to Ryan. He hasn't been watching Ryan become more and more angry towards everything. 
because he can't control anything anymore. And that building up all of the things that Ryan has suffered and gone through, the rejections, the pain, the hurt, turning into, he never saw Ryan as that one. Ryan was mm. the muscle, but Ryan was the gentle giant. He only attacked out of usually trying to protect someone. Ryan is a defensive person. He's not an offen offensive, you know what I mean? Yeah. Lex was right to be like, Ryan, what the frick? That's not what I told you to do, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ryan's in the wrong. Yeah. It's, it's really that simple. Um, I feel so terrible for Bray in this moment. Uh, there's so many wrong things with this, so many red flags about what Ryan is going through, this anger that is manifesting into physical assault with people. And it's just going to keep escalating. Um, if I was dating someone who got like this, it would be a red flag for me because he's not dealing with his emotions. Like, that's my first sign. Like, you clearly aren't dealing with a lot. You have a lot to deal with. You have every right to be upset that the future you envisioned isn't coming to fruition. Go ahead. Be upset about that. It's okay to even be mad because you think Bray might have said something to Celine to stop her from marrying you. But we know that's not what this is. Let's face it. We know that Ryan doesn't truly believe that Bray told Celine not to marry him. This is all because he's insecure of Celine's attraction to Bray. That's all this is. He can't punish Celine for rejecting him. He loves her. He wants to preserve that love. He can punish the person that's threatening it. Mm -hmm. And so Ryan is treating Bray the same way Zondra treated every female that Lex messed around with behind her back. Instead of seeing Lex as the problem, she blamed it on all the females. Yeah. Even though they owed her nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, maybe you should deal with your so-called boyfriend. The one who keeps sleeping around on you. And that's what Ryan is doing. Instead of blaming Celine and just accepting she doesn't love you. She loves someone else. She would prefer to be with someone else. It's so much easier to blame it on Bray, to take it out on him. I'm like, you wrong, Ryan. This is not okay. And Bray should have clocked you back. <laughs> I really wish he had. Uh, Put your hand. I, I, he doesn't have that. <laughs> no, every time I see someone get into a fight with Bray, I'm surprised at how crappy Bray is at fighting back. So this is one of the few times where Bray doesn't fight back that I, I completely understand why. One, he's caught off guard at Ryan's anger at him. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, what the frick did I do? I was trying to comfort my friend who came to me with doubts about getting married. I thought I said all the right things to her. And now I'm being blamed because Ryan got his heart broken. He likes Ryan. Ryan's his friend. But the moment he threatened to, you know, um, make his face so no woman would ever look at him again, he could have at least tried to defend himself more properly. I really think he was just shocked. Bray's not a fighter, for one. True. You know, and so it's not his natural instinct to hit people. We've seen how far he has to go to get physically violent with anyone. Uh, so it, it does make sense to me that it wasn't in that fight or flight moment that Bray basically froze. You know, like, what is happening here? Ryan, I'm not going to fight you. There's a misunderstanding here, you know? Because even when Ray is mad, he rarely gets physically violent. It's just not, it's not his instinct. I wish he had, though. I really do. Mm -hmm. One time I would have liked to see, I'm sorry, Ryan, I love you, but you needed to get your butt kicked for this one. Ryan definitely wouldn't have lost that fight. <laughs> he probably wouldn't have. I'm pretty sure he would have completely destroyed Ray, but I would have liked Ray to do it, to try. Because Ryan deserved it this time. Absolutely. Never thought I'd say it, but... Mm-mm, mm-mm, you're wrong. Mm. I mean, despite how serious this, this scene was, I, I really do wish it had been staged for me because it just made me laugh how Ryan was just throwing him back onto the bed, picked him up, throwing him back on the bed. And it just, yep. yeah, I just wish it had been staged a little differently. But <laughs> why, why do fighters do that? Like, they just throw you? across the room like just punch them just demolish them why are you throwing them why are you creating distance so they can like defend themselves <laughs> it's an rpg they gotta the their next move oh it just made me laugh and this is like one of the few times i found ryan completely unappealing and unattractive mm. just that insecurity bubbling out in such an ugly way for him like he's so jealous of bray's face he's so jealous 
that Celine is attracted to Bray, that she prefers Bray. And even if, let's say Bray did reciprocate Celine's, you know, feelings, Ryan's still wrong. He's still wrong for beating up the one his ex-girlfriend chose over him. It's not okay. Mm. You can be mad at him. You can be like, I'm not going to ever talk to you again. He did me dirty. He dated my, he's going out with my ex. But you have no right to be physically assaulting this guy because she don't want you. Go cry about it, Ryan. <laughs> go on a, be- a pub crawl and deal with this. <laughs> go work on yourself, Ryan. Alice would have punched him back. Where are you, Alice? <laughs> we need you. We need you. Yeah, she definitely mm. would have punched him. That would have been an interesting fight. She would have mm-hmm. encaved his chest in. <laughs> Ryan wouldn't want to hit her. He doesn't hit girls, you know, unless they're attacking someone he cares about, you know. You listen to me. Things are going to be very different soon. And when it all changes, there are going to be two types of people. The ones who belong and the others. The others who are left outside. Outside with nowhere to go. Now, you don't want to be left on the outside, do you, Chloe? Trudy tries to win Chloe over with food, but Chloe tells her that she's on to her. And soon the others will too, prompting Trudy to suddenly threaten her. And later, Chloe confides in Celine and tries to convince her that Trudy told everyone about the proposal deliberately to hurt her. But Celine still believes that Trudy is a good person. I mean, yeah, panel, what did you make of Trudy suddenly threatening Chloe like that? Ooh. I'm with Cloudy. No, Cloudy's what that expression from Cloudy was like, well, that escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think Trudy has realized this little girl might be the biggest threat of them all. She's not buying it. <laughs> but again, it just speaks to how the chosen operate. You know, they find all these different ways to get you in line. You know, first she tried sweetness and light with Chloe, and then Chloe still didn't fall in line with the obedience. So she decided to punish Chloe for not falling in line with the obedience, like Patsy did. Scare her, punish her. And then when it became a threat to her, she hits her with more love bombing, you know? Bribery. And then, of course, when you do not accept the love bomb, it goes straight to violence and threats. So I love that consistency of how the Chosen work. Mm-hmm. Or Chloe. Oh, my gosh. Terrifying. This is terrifying. Yeah. Um, I have, like, a top ten... Trudy the Moody moments in my mind, and this is arguably top three. <laughs> the way she just squishes the jelly. I wonder what her motivation for the scene was. <laughs> it's a, you're going to eat this. It's your favorite. I did this for you. I put a lot of work in it. Into it. And then she responds like a very annoyed mother at first with a child that is refusing to eat. Mm. Yeah, that has to be it. <laughs> The go-ahead-and-starve kind of mood. Um, yeah, no, I, I think her threatening Chloe is basically just a, a sign of her losing control. Yeah. Her motivation is, you are getting in the way of me accomplishing the thing that's going to reunite me with my child. Mm-hmm. Chloe, unbeknownst, is poking the mother bear. You know, yep. not, Chloe's not in the wrong, but that is what she's doing. That's what this whole mission is about, being reunited with her daughter. She's been on board with whatever she has to do. She's even rationalized it to herself as this is a good thing. But we will see in a future scene, this is all about getting back with Brady. Yeah. I can't fail this test or he will take her away from me forever if I fail. If I don't screw you guys over so that they can do their takeover. You know what I mean? Like, and Chloe, you are threatening that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try and scare you. If that's what it will take to keep you to, your mouth shut. Stop point. Stop bringing attention to me and how crazy I am. <laughs> it's like, Judy, you're kind of doing it yourself. <laughs> and, you know, in that moment. And I think it kind of works because Chloe is reticent with how much she's willing to share about why she's afraid of Trudy you know there's she picks and chooses what she'll actually tell someone you know when they actually inquire you know what what is it and you know she's like Trudy scares me but she doesn't really give you the laundry list of why you know so (laughs) because she thinks nobody will believe her with how crazy Trudy's acting towards her and I do think she's scared Mm -hmm. because if no one believes her Mm -hmm. and everyone else isn't paying attention what else could Chloe what else could Trudy do to me you know and would anyone stop it if she did? Because I noticed she was very careful when Celine is giving her the opportunity 
to just lay it all on the line of what you know, she actually takes a chance to say Trudy scares me. You know, not that just Trudy's weird, Trudy's different, Trudy's strange. Trudy scares me. I think she'd hurt us. But she still doesn't tell Eileen everything. She puts the focus on, you know, she's spending all her time with Patsy and she doesn't want me around. Like, if she could lay out the laundry list of what Trudy's been doing specifically, you couldn't, well, I mean, maybe Celine could ignore it. She is a narcissist, whatever, but I do think Chloe's a little afraid. I think it kind of worked. Yeah, and she's already lost Patsy to Trudy, so probably scared she will be on her own and that others will choose Trudy's side and just not believe her if she tells her what she's been up to. I am glad they're finally giving Cloudy uh, reaction shots. Mm-hmm. Like her first one when Danny started flipping out. <laughs> Cloudy's just like, ah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and sound effects. <laughs> and I love her little growl. <laughs> and Chloe's like, Cloudy, mm-hmm. let's go. <laughs> don't worry, Chloe, I don't like her either. <laughs> she smells funny. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. They've only, like, just now kind of personifying Cloudy. They didn't do that before. Like, no. A little weird, yeah. Like, remind us she's there. Yeah, and we finally reach scenes where we would otherwise have missed Bob. Mm. Where we might have thought, oh, I wonder how Bob would have responded to this. Yeah, it's just weird that it's taken this long for them to do something with Cloudy. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's just, in my head, I, I, didn't, I couldn't think of a single scene where, like, we had any reactions or anything. There isn't anything to know now. So you just want to pretend it never happened? No! So I'll tell Alice. I could have said it right ages ago, but I didn't. And now I want to do the right thing. She's going to hate us both. That's a chance we'll just have to take. With Alice becoming increasingly aware that something is up with Tysan, Tysan breaks things off with Lex, realising there's no way to clean the relationship without hurting Alice. Later, Lex tells Tysan that he can't give up on them because what they have has filled the emptiness inside him that was left behind by Zandra's death. And he agrees to tell Alice like they should have done earlier. I mean, see, let's just focus on that bit. Um, are you surprised at the strength of Lex's feelings and his impassioned words to Tysan? Um, Not really. Mm-hmm. I, think they, I just think they've done a really good job of taking us on Lex's grief journey, you know, um... And convincing me that he's... Because I, I never thought Lex had gotten over Tysan. I always believed she'd gotten under his skin. And then he just was like, that's never going to happen. And he moved on. So I, I found it easy to believe that he had fallen in love with her once he got another shot. You know? So when he's saying this to her, it feels very genuine. It's very easy to believe for me personally. I'm like, he was empty. You know? When he lost Sandra. Like, regardless of love... She was someone who filled something in his life, and then she was ripped from him. His entire future, whatever that potential might have been with Zandra and their child, was ripped from him. And he was finding every way to fill it, all these destructive ways. So for him to say this to Tysan, so she can understand, this isn't a fling to me, Tysan. I'm not in this for the sex. It means something. And to put it out there on the line so that she doesn't end this relationship... Because he knows his reputation, he knows his past, he knows what she might be thinking, and to put all that into consideration because I need you to know this so that you don't just toss this away, and you're right, I'm going to fix this, whatever it takes. I just thought it worked really well. And again, it establishes their dynamic of being truly honest with each other, you know, getting it out there, not keeping it in, not making these assumptions, but just telling each other how they feel about something, communicating with one another. So... I'm not surprised at all that he said that to her. Mm-hmm. I don't really think I have anything to add to that, Liz. Yeah, this is definitely one of the most organic uh, starts of a relationship for uh, Lex and Tysan. So it, it's almost kind of like, yeah, you feel bad for Alice, all that's happening, but you also feel good for, for Lex and Tysan because like, they should be together. They, they found something beautiful that neither of them expected to find, especially in each other. I also got to give Tysan props for realizing this has to end. Like, we can't do this anymore. And I, I like the way she does it. She doesn't give Lex an ultimatum. She doesn't say, you either tell Alice or we end. Because that's not really fair. Um, she just says, I'm making a decision for myself. I can't keep doing this with you. Mm-hmm. I can't keep 
actively hurting my friend and making excuses for why it's okay because I'm falling for you and I love the way this feels. It is not okay. I'm ending it. So I like that her taking that personal responsibility. She doesn't lay it on mm -hmm. Lex. Like you have to do this to keep me. I am choosing for myself. I need to do what's right for me. What we're doing to Alice is wrong. I have a choice and I'm not, I'm choosing to not continue to hurt her that way. But I also like the fact that she doesn't try to sweep it under the rug. When Lex says, you want to pretend it never happened, she says no, which again, talks about taking that personal responsibility. It implies that she would never lie that this did happen and that she did betray her friend this way, um, which is a big change from season one, Tyson. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I love that too, where I'm making a choice. I'm taking personal responsibility for my actions. I will not do this anymore. I will not continue hurting my friend, but I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen and lie about it either because I did do it. I just will not continue doing it. And then I love the hopeful look on her face when Lex is like, I'm going to fix this. And hopefully she'll see this for what it is that we're meant to be together. And just look at Tysan's face. Like she actually really wants to believe that. Like they could have this happy thing without shattering Alice. And I'm like, that's very sweet and naive. You know, <laughs> I think it's a beautiful moment, to be honest. But yeah. obviously, it's like <laughs> they're one of the few couples who actually have a build up to a relationship and not just look at each other and go oh you're cute i want you let's jump you mm -hmm. you know it's there's build-up there's so many emotions i'm glad we get i'm glad we get to see those so that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode so when danny leaves the mall to confront ebony Celine takes her chance to go after bray and she confesses her feelings to him that her heart has always belonged to him and it always will and she disrobes. Um, go ahead, panel. Uh, just no, no. Oh, Celine, oh, Celine, oh, Celine. <laughs> the level of, level of cringe for this, it's just... Uh. Your Honor, I object. <laughs> I object to her doing this. Can we please keep an open mind? <laughs> no, 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 no. The only thing I would want here is to keep her robe closed. Nothing open. Okay. I'm going to start by being somewhat fair to Celine. Okay. How? Just give me a second. Just give me a chance. All right. There is nothing wrong, in my opinion, with Celine going to tell Bray that she loves him. Do I think it's a little shady since she knows he's in a relationship and she's kind of supposed to be friends with his girlfriend? It's not a nice thing, but I'm not opposed to her laying her cards on the table. Okay, instead of dancing around the subject and all that jazz, go and tell him, I'm, I love you. I, I, you're the one. You're the reason I can't marry another man because I'm holding a torch for you, buddy. That is okay in my book. Mm -hmm. Danny has a right to be pissed about it. Like, at that point, it's fine. I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Go ahead and tell him and find out how he feels about you. Assaulting him with your naked body <laughs> is where I'm, oh my mm -mm. gosh. Poor Bray. The day he has had. Oh my gosh. He's assaulted twice today. You know what I mean? I object. No, I object. He, he's assaulted three times. He's verbally yeah. assaulted by Danny. Yeah. He's physically assaulted by Ryan. And now oh, yeah. he's sexually assaulted <laughs> mm -hmm. by Celine. What a day this poor guy has had. Look at his face, you guys. He's so confused. He's already upset when Celine comes. And he's just like, what the frick did you tell your boyfriend, your not boyfriend, your fiance, whatever the frick Ryan is to you? What did you tell him so he would come and try to kick my butt? And, you know, he, he seems to think I told you not to marry him. Like, I trusted you in a moment, Celine. Why would you give that misinformation? And she's like, isn't that what you said? And he's like, no, that's not what I said to you. I said, follow your heart, Celine. Okay. And then she gets all close. Look at his face. He's first, he's confused. He's just like. Yeah, like what the heck are you talking about? The last shot of Ray's face screams, <sighs> "I need an adult." <laughs> I mean, this is the one moment in time he would be grateful for Trudy to walk in and scream at someone. I'm so sorry, Bray. You didn't deserve today. You really didn't. You tried your best. 
to be <laughs> mature and rational through every one of these trials. Uh, it's just everyone else who's insane today, Bray. It's not you, it's them. Yeah, that's where she crossed the line when she decided to take her clothes off before Bray had even had a chance to respond to her confession of love. And it's not even something that she does, you know, without thinking about it because she plans this with the outfits he's making. Mm-hmm. She consciously made the choice to go to Bray and take her clothes off. And it goes right back to that assumption that Celine seems to make about men and women that we saw blossom in season mm-hmm. one. She assumes she just, again, Bray hasn't had a chance to even respond to her or like be receptive to her confession of love. Mm-hmm. She goes to him fully expecting that he's going to see my body and he'll want to be with me because he's a guy. Like it never occurs to her that Bray wouldn't want to be with her. Mm-hmm that he might want to be loyal to his girlfriend crazy though she is she's his girlfriend and he loves her okay loves her and all her crazy he loves her mm-hmm. that never crosses her mind she went there with the uh, she was intending on seducing him and it was like that's messed up celine maybe if he was single maybe i'd give you a pass on it but he is in a relationship with somebody and this was your plan to blindside him with your boobs. I, I just feel bad for Bray. <laughs> your Honor, may I speak now? No, not if you're defending her. All right, I want to hear it. If you're serious, <laughs> I want to hear the defense. <clears throat> <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to bring Liz to the stand. <laughs> what do you want me to swear on? Let's do this. Okay, I assume that you're going to speak the whole truth, because I only have one question for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Before I make my closing argument. Liz, Celine's outfit, it was nice, right? Like, it was a nice-looking outfit, correct? I wouldn't wear it, but it flattered her. <laughs> Your Honor, this is a clear uh, wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> super clear the outfit in itself is very i don't honestly don't know what's holding it together (laughs) it's player's day with that now as far as sexually assaulting bray okay let's just say the malfunction happened she was naked bray looked down once i'm looking at it right now okay (laughs) it's hard not to look (laughs) <laughs> yeah, whoa, 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 I'm gonna on. I'm gonna watch a f- I'm gonna look at a flasher, okay? Mm-hmm. I'll laugh at him, but also this is a horrible camera angle. She could have been in her bra and underwear. Your point? There is no nudity. That doesn't rule out assault. Nope. And what is the definition of that assault? Why is she flashing him her bra and panties after saying "I love you"? <laughs> I'm going to disrobe. And show you my bra and panties. Was she asking his opinion on their pattern? The cut? No. We know that's not what she was doing. And we know it's not a wardrobe malfunction, your honor. Because the camera lingers on her literally untying the thing. <laughs> it was secure. She had to actively unsecure it and take it off. We see that. The camera shows us that she actively disrobed. Not a malfunction. Yeah. I mean, it might be a malfunction in her It was head. a little tight on her, your honor, and she was just losing it. Listen, my client simply just told Bray how she felt about him. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Everyone's been doing it. So, again, the the malfunction happened with the wardrobe. We've yes, already argued it's that's not bad. a malfunction. Not a malfunction. We know, we know that's bad. Cut that from the record. Not a malfunction. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not a malfunction if we specifically saw her temper with it before that. The second part of your argument is that she was probably wearing underwear, is that it? (laughs) Yes, bra. Well, we don't know. She could have been wearing a a sports bra, for all we know. That doesn't change it. If if a man comes to me, okay, let's just change this around, right? If a guy comes into my room. No, 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 no. It's my turn. Use Bray as an example. You have to use Bray as an example. Fine. If Bray comes into my room mm-hmm. and is just like, Celine, Liz, whoever I am, I need to tell you something. I love you. You have my heart. That is the reason I'm not marrying Danny. You know, that's why I've just left her heartbroken. And that's why she's making everyone's life miserable right now. It's because my heart belongs to you. 
and then he drops trow whether or not he leaves his underwear on i'm gonna feel assaulted i didn't ask for that mm -hmm. why are did you just take your pants off after telling me you love me i didn't invite your you in here no no it wouldn't pass has, it wouldn't has pass. gray been shirtless half the season <laughs> not after saying i love you to someone who didn't ask for it he didn't is, want it he is not, not robed like that no there's no, no there's not a single one and remember we'd have a scene before he prepare special trousers for this mm -hmm. moment before no. taking it off for this moment <laughs> no sorry it doesn't work sorry i think the jury will see this is a, a, a sad attempt we all feel sorry for celine this is a rough day for her but it does not excuse her actions i rest my case your honor one final thing i would like to say my client is clearly sick <laughs> i guess we can agree on that she's not thinking straight of everything that has happened today with trudy literally manipulating everyone that she knows and love to humiliating her in front of everybody during uh i don't know if that was lunch or breakfast but that could make one person kind of go cocoa for cocoa puffs Okay, so you want to put in an insanity plea? All right, I will argue that down. That is perfectly fair. But to actually qualify for the insanity plea, mm -hmm. you have to prove that Celine can't tell the difference between right and wrong. We already know that she can. Sorry, she not going to work. Cannot. She cannot. She totally can. She just chooses which one she's going to do at any given time. Mm -hmm. Celine is of sound mind and, mind and body. She is able to tell the difference between right and wrong. Your insanity plea is declined. It also can't be premeditated, so... <laughs> yeah, it is definitely premeditated. So we can't even say it was a crime of passion. <laughs> no, we can put a lot of things on Trudy, but not Celine's lack of decorum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, burn! Yes, we need to end it there, it was perfect. <laughs> I would also like to say that this episode has been nothing but my clients, Danny and Celine, communicating to certain individuals the way that they only know how to communicate. Yeah, this is what you say to the press after you've lost the game. <laughs> <laughs> Time for your media tour to yeah. spin the story. Yeah. <sighs> and on that note, that brings Series 2, Episode 42 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if you'd like to take part in the future episode of the podcast, please do send us a message on our Facebook page or on our website, thetribe.co.uk. So we'll see you next time for episode 43. Until then, bye. Bye. Later. Bye.